It's a dog cast episode number 122. Dogs win big. 45 17 over Ole Miss and Ed Ogeron. Hey, dog fans. Welcome back to another episode of the DogCast. I'm your host, Derek Leonard, here with Old Dog in the bunker. It's uh, Sunday evening, Old Dog, and we just capped off another victorious weekend with the Bulldogs. 45-17. Dogs take Ole Miss down, buddy. You know, Old Dog, this score, though, I mean, I'm real happy. We're looking good. Everything's fine. Uh, Dogs are ranked 11th and 12th in the two polls. We didn't crack the top 10, but um, I want to talk about this game because I know a lot of dog fans didn't see the game, and if all you know about the game is the score and the stats, then uh, you might not have the best... Uh, you know, the best idea about what actually happened in this game. Old Dog, let's talk but about... I do want to warn everyone, we're not going to go as bad as we did with Western Carolina, so don't worry. No, we're don't absolutely not. Don't turn off yet. <laughs> no, we're not going negative. We're not going negative at all. But, really, the score is not indicative of what happened in the game exactly. I mean... Our running backs went wild in the fourth quarter. There's no doubt about it. Thomas Brown, Muhammad Masakwa, they went, I mean, not Momas, no Sean Moreno, I mean. I'm looking at a picture of Momas on the computer. Um, They went crazy in the fourth quarter. But, you know, with five minutes to go, basically five minutes to go in the third, this was a tie ball game, old dog. It was 17-17, closing in on the fourth quarter. Uh, What are your initial thoughts about the game, man? Well, I tell you, I mean, it was a, it was a well played game uh, for the most part. Uh, defense was pretty lacking in the first half, and you know, I was screaming at uh, Coach Martinez, but it did appear that he came out and a little later on probably made some adjustments. I think the biggest thing, though, was probably the fact that we just uh, wore them down and uh, tired them out. There were a couple turning points of the game, and I think one probably came real early. Uh, You know, they, first quarter, man, they were just driving the ball on us at will. I mean, they kicked off to us. We went, I don't even, I can't remember if we got a first down or not. I think we went three and out. Punted to them. They drove right down the field. Bang. Touchdown. Uh, Same thing on our second possession. They came down the field, and and we luckily, uh, they broke a run down around the right side, and we knocked the kid out, I think, on about the half-yard line. Next play from scrimmage, they fumble. C.J. Bird jumps on it, and we take the ball. I think he got it on the four. We take the ball 96 yards for a touchdown. That's right. Uh, you know, it's weird to say you had a turning point in the first quarter, but I have to say that was it because I tell you what, that turned everything around. I mean, it could have, it could have, except for a drop ball, it could have been fourteen nothing. Our game plan changes, and who knows what happens? Well, you know, like after I said, that, that first touchdown was a forty-five yard pass 
by by Ole Miss's quarterback from Seth, you know Seth Adams. It was a forty five yard pass against Prince Miller, and like you said, bang, it's seven to nothing. And when they fumble, they were they had converted a fourth down, converted a fourth and six, got eight yards on a fourth and six, convert a fourth down to go to the one yard line, and like you said, it is it is we're one yard away from going down fourteen to nothing. And that ninety six yard drive followed by an eighty yard drive, I think made made all the difference in the world. Made all the difference in the world. Those two t- those two touchdown drives made it fourteen to seven, and we began to turn the tide on them. As well as you know, I thought it was a really good. I was really happy to see the field goal drive right before the half. I was I was unhappy to see the field goal, but we got the ball back with fifty six seconds to go in the first half, and we didn't sit on it. We didn't kneel down and go into that. We we drove it. You know, we were four yards from the end zone when we had to kick a field goal with time running out. With when we only got the ball with fifty six seconds to go in the half, so um, I really like the aggressive play by or the aggressive play calling by Bobo and uh, Coach Rick to get it done. We we were playing like we were in a scrape from the right from the beginning. Oh well, and we were, and I mean, and that was that was a good call if I remember right on. Uh on that drive, I think we did throw and actually complete one to Trent Chandler. Yes. Uh, and then a lot of it was on the ground. I'm not sure, you know, how aggressive the play calling was. I think the fact that uh, Noshon ripped off, you know, about a 20-yard run, you know, helped a lot on that field goal stuff, too. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, since we're talking about Trip Chandler, I'm going to say something, you know, now that probably folks will agree or disagree with. But, you know, there's no reason to boo a college kid. I mean, he's out there, and as much as I knock him, and I still say he should not be in the ball game, but he is actually trying as hard as he can. The people whose fault it is that he is out there screwing up are the coaches, not the kid. To boo the kid doesn't help. Uh, you know. And he is call really in, just call a in, kid. Blast Right, call in, blast the coaches. They're the ones that are putting him out there. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm no fan of Trip Chandler's. I don't think he has any business on the field. The fact that he makes a catch is nothing to celebrate. That's his job. Right. You know, he's a tight end. Tight ends block, tight ends catch. He's doing about half of his job right now. Maybe a little over half because he does sometimes catch it. But, you know, that's... That's a coaching decision to put him out there instead of Figgins. Uh, you know, but there's no no sense in booing the kid. If well, he can't do it, he can't do it. You know, it's like, you know, you get a you get a guy in out of school, you make him the CEO of a company. If he can't do it, you bounce him back down to McDonald's. You know, you don't sit there and boo him and keep him in as a CEO. Well, I do have a little confession to make. You know, uh, Trip Chandler did have he had two catches for forty yards, and he had two drops. The early drop it was a bad ball, and he could barely get his hand on it. But that second drop that came right there in the first quarter, where it kind of clanged around in his hands, and he dropped it, and the fans started booing. I mean, I actually 
and I I really don't like to boo players either, and I I really never do it. I I don't even I don't boo coaches or players as in, during the game. To me, when we're out there and we're playing and the game is on, there's no room for booing because we're all dedicated to one goal, which is to win the game. We can talk about changes with the player personnel, coaching personnel, things like that after the game, but I never boo my team when they're on the field. But Having said that, when Trip Chandler dropped that ball, I was just so uh, it just it overcame me, and before I knew it, I was just like boo, boo, boo. I mean, I was like that just sucks so bad. I mean, I just couldn't stop myself from booing, but I, you know, I cut it off pretty quick. I it just came out of my mouth so quickly, but I stopped it just as quickly, and I totally agree with you. There's no room to boo players. It's not Trip Chandler's fault that he's on the field. He's out there doing what he can do to the best of his ability. I don't think he goes out there and thinks, I want to drop the ball. I can't no, wait just, to drop some balls. He's just not he's the just, best player. Apparently he's just physically limited with frying pan hands. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you're right. We, should not, we, can't, we can't boo any Bulldog players on the field. Or a bull, Bulldog players can't boo them at any time, really. We have to take that up with the coaching staff that's playing the kid and and coaching oh, the kid and training the kid. It, exactly. I mean that that's where the fault lies. I agree. And speaking and speaking of faults, uh, you know, as I said last week, you're going to tell us coach, about some of your faults. Well, no, because oh, okay. I have none. Okay. When a coach does good, we give him praise. When a coach goes bad, we jump on him. Coach Fab is back on the shit list again. <laughs> Even after Our, the onside kick. Come on! Oh, I mean, come on! Hey, the onside kick was high. One, that was one sexy. onside kick. You've got the stats there. One onside kick does not make up what? How many yards did hmm. Ole Miss have on? Let's see. Return yards. Actually, I only have punts and punt return yards. I do not have the kickoff return yardage right here. Okay, old dog, wait a second. You're talking about return yards and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking I, about I, return yards on kickoff. I bet it was I bet they had damn near 300. Well, I got it at uh, well, I don't actually I don't have kickoff return yards. I only have punt return yards in front of me. But uh, you know, I think part of the problem was Well, what's the total? Well, the total return yards I got here's 128. Wow. But I think that but that's only I think that's only punts though. But it's got to be. It's got to be. But listen, listen, I do agree that Coach Fabris changed his – you know, I think we, we, we bought into this Ole Miss. Ole Miss was doing those squib kicks the whole game, the low, dribbly kind of squib kick the whole game, which worked some. But I think, you know, we did a few of those, which is something we haven't done before early in the game. And then we went to kicking it deep, and I think we did better when we were kicking it deep. I don't know why we changed to the squib kick. And then why we change back? Because he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to give him a break this I mean, week I, because well, I I'll love I love the onside kick, dude. We scored well, a touchdown. We scored a touchdown. Take a 24 to 17 lead, and then we immediately kick an onside kick, dude. That's sexy. That is awesome. You, you can't was. tell me you didn't love that onside kick. Buddy. I love the onside kick. I wish we hadn't gone three and out after the onside kick. Well, I but, wish uh, that too, but uh, you know. But it was it was a nice call, and I'll give him credit for that. But I'm telling you, our kickoff coverage, our kickoff coverage needs to be like it was against Alabama, not like it has been against everybody else we've played. Right. Because it 
flat out sucks. <laughs> and I tell you what, I watched a couple other games, and there are a lot of these guys that can actually I call them I call them end zone kickers. Yes, they actually kick it and they get it into the end zone. Yes, we need to go get us one of those kids. <laughs> I don't know where they are, and apparently they're hard to find. But I know these coaches talk, and some of these end zone kickers, we need one. There's no doubt. We really maybe need... they're over in Eastern Europe somewhere. Maybe I would give up. They're I in mean... the Ukraine. Maybe they're up in Antarctica. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Frosty Dog can find one for us. Then in Palmer we... Station. We are in bad, bad need of an end zone kicker. Mm. Well, listen, I I totally agree with you. I really do. We need to, if even if we have to give up a Degum scholarship, man, we need a kid that can get a consistent touchback. I'm going to put you out there. You will personally write an end zone kicker scholarship if we can get one. Uh, absolutely. I would. I would almost. I'd be willing to foot the bill for that. There um, you I, go. I think I can foot the bill for that if we can find a kid. Um. I don't know if that's even. I think that's somehow against the rules, but uh, of NCAA funding. But anyway, oh, there are ways around stuff like that. Matthew Stafford has 144 yards passing. Noshawn Moreno has 90 yards on 14 carries, and Thomas Brown has 180 yards, three touchdowns on 16 carries, averaging 11 yards an attempt. Old dog, we said it last week, and I heard a fan in front of me. It was my is my favorite quote of the week that I heard from a fan. He said, "No, Sean Moreno is gonna make Thomas Brown a star." And yep. I have not heard anybody else say it that way, but that's exactly what I've been thinking now for about two or three weeks. We've been talking about how Thomas Brown is running harder, running with more authority, not going down as easy. Thomas Brown is running and playing the best football of his entire college career right now, and I think. Although he's always had the tools, I think the mental game that Moreno, the pressure of having the Moreno juggernaut there in his rearview mirror has really changed Thomas Brown's attitude about what he's got to do on the field in order to be successful. And he has put oh, moves. He broke an Ole Miss defensive end, broke him down. And then he went on that 50-yard run, he ran right at the safety and just smoked him. Open field, one-on-one, absolutely smoked him. Oh, I know it. And, and in a very Herschel Walker-esque type performance, too, he did most of that with a partially separated shoulder. Absolutely. I tell you what, it was it was fantastic. It was fantastic to see the things that Thomas Brown is doing with his feet now and uh, the way he is hit running and hitting hard and juking. He's doing everything that I always wanted him to do and really weren't getting out of him for the past three years. No Sean Moreno is going to make him a star. Well, I think so too, and i tell you what, I mean, it just overall – Second half, really fourth quarter. Uh, offense, offense just caught fire. Uh, I don't know if it was uh, any kind of blocking scheme changes. We were doing some quick hitting, uh, or you know, if we just had worn Mississippi down, you know, to the point that they were a step slow. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but like we had said earlier, you know, really until the fourth quarter, the game was in doubt. Uh, you know, they came out, 
you know, they were what? If we were up by seven points at halftime. Yeah, it was um, 17 to 10 at the half. It you know, was 17 to out, 7 right at the, uh, nearly yeah, the beginning of the fourth quarter. You know, we kicked off to them, and they went on a nine-minute drive to tie it up. Yeah, after you Coach know. Rick. You know, Coach Rick said that he, um, you know, had this big, you know, tough guy de- make a defensive stand speech at halftime, you know, and he's he's thinking he's, he's, thinking he's got the defense's attention, and they come out and give up a nine-and-a-half-minute drive, you know, <laughs> That was great. You know, I mean, it was, you know, it was tough. Uh, you know, but again, I don't think they were looking ahead. I mean, Mississippi was just, uh, their offense is a whole lot better than their defense. No doubt, uh, which is what we had, said in the pregame. They had a running back that, you know, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis from whatever, uh, you know, he, he ran hard and he ran tough. He got, and, he got over 100 yards against us. He ran he for 108 yards. He didn't go down easy. Uh you know we we played defense a whole lot better in the uh, fourth quarter than we did any other quarter. That's for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, a couple more things I want to talk about because this is something we really it's been in the background, you know. But we again we had three penalties for 15 yards and no turnovers, no interceptions, no fumbles, no turnovers at all and really low penalty count. And, you know, that's been a trend for this whole season for these dogs. We are really, we're not hurting ourselves a lot, and that is, I think, that really helps us. That really helps us. Um, I'm really pleased to see how how mistake-free we're playing because, really, we need every advantage we can get. And I'll tell you something else, too. Clint Bowling really grew up in this game. You want to talk about offensive line and stuff. I know, you know, Chester Adams, Velasco was getting pushed around. Velasco had a penalty on him. But, you know, Clint Bowling... Those kids, those freshmen on that offensive line, Sturdivant, they are coming on strong. They are growing up fast. You could see them get better from the first quarter to the fourth quarter this past weekend. We are, we are going, we're getting there, guys. We really are getting there, dog fans. Well, they had to. I mean, it was just, you know, everyone got real excited, you know, in that uh, Alabama game, and certainly it was an exciting game. But, you know, and how well the offensive line did and stuff. But, you know, you've got to realize Alabama, they were running an undersized, they've got an undersized offensive line. Mississippi did not. Uh, defensive line, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, and it just, but the kids stood up, and you're right. I mean, they they got better as the game went on. And, uh, you know, hats got to go off to Coach Searles for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he came in, he had, you know, his upper, his total of upperclassmen that he had to work with, I'm not just talking about starters, I'm talking total number of upperclassmen was two. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... Absolutely. That's, that I mean, is, I, you're right. I mean, and we, you know, we've talked about that before, but, you know... That has got to be a scary thought if you're coming in to coach a team thinking everybody you've got other than two guys with playing experience is going to be a freshman or a redshirt freshman or played at a junior college somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, it um you know, that that's really what's been hurting us and that's why it's so important for these freshmen to step up. I mean, I don't want to think about where we'd be if we didn't have Clint Bowling out there right now and Trenton Sturdivant. You know, if we didn't if those freshmen weren't able to step up even as well as they are I don't even want to know where we'd be. Oh, we'd be in bad shape. 
Yeah, we really would be. There's no doubt about it. But, um, you know, the good news is those kids are growing up fast. They were getting pushed back in the first quarter. And I think Coach Searles told them, you know, <laughs> you got you kids just have to man up. I mean, you're really going to have to nut up here and start playing better. And they really responded to the call. They really well, did. Well, and we've got to because it, it's all we've got. I mean, you know, basically what they with, – with Havercamp – hurt, you know, on this ankle and hopefully he'll be back for the Tennessee game. Uh, you know, they've got they've got five starters and one guy, you know, that can come in advance that they're basically training to play all four positions. Because mm-hmm. uh, they don't, if at all possible, these other guys they've got, they would prefer to redshirt them and they're not ready to play anyway. Right. Uh, you know, at best I know with everybody healthy, we've got seven guys that can play and right now we're at six, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the and the one guy that we've got coming in, we're asking him to play four different positions. There's no doubt about it, and I mean, you know, those kids are really growing up, and uh, I mean, we've we've asked a lot of them, and uh, and they're responding. I think we can't. I mean, you just can't complain about the way those kids are responding right now. I mean, in their first four games, you know, I mean, they're really trying to get it done, and they're, and they're doing a good job. And then you know, it's you know, you got Thomas Brown with a career day, 180 yards, man. I mean, really. Oh, I know. Um, and we're up to 11th in the coaches' poll, 12th in the AP poll. I mean, you know, we're you know, I can't complain about that. I really can't. I can't no. complain about offensive line play this past weekend. No, I mean, you really, uh, I think probably if you, I think the offense played pretty well. Matthew Stafford didn't look real sharp. No. Uh, I don't know, you know, what it is. I think, and this is just totally my opinion and my best guess, but I think he's still uncomfortable uh with this protection. Mm-hmm. He's antsy back there, mm-hmm. and hopefully that will get better. Uh, you know, as the season goes along, he'll get more comfortable as the line grows in experience and gives more protection on that. But, I mean, you know, he, he did what he needed to do. We had a great running game. But, again, he just didn't look real, real sharp. Well, you know, I mean, I don't think he's looked sharp in any game this year, not even the Alabama game. He hasn't looked sharp. His ball delivery is just, you know, you can – I don't know what's causing it. I just know it's I just know it's happening. I don't know if it's his protection or whatever, but I'm telling you, he's overthrowing, he's underthrowing, he's throwing balls behind people. When he gets it there, it's beautiful, you know what I mean? Right. But, uh, he's, I mean, I'm still not happy with his ball placement. I was happy with his ball placement last year. So, I mean, you know, I'm still waiting for him to be the kind of, t- the kind of pass He's making good decisions, and he's leading the team well enough. But his actual ball delivery, you know, is just not where I want it to be, not where I think it should be. Um, You know, in other news, we had a lot of recruits in the stands this weekend. We had a lot of official visits and a lot of unofficial visits. We had a lot of recruits in town this past weekend, and that's one reason why I think the booing was extra bad. But it was also a good idea to show, you know, it was good to get – to have these recruits watching us win a big game with a big game, big game atmosphere. The stands were full. We were right there at ninety six thousand on the on the fans this weekend, and uh, I think we put on a good show for those recruits this weekend. 
Hey, Dom fans, I want to apologize. This is Derek. We are just have, still having a little technical difficulty here, so uh, we're, I'm going to have to finish this show up by myself because Old Dog actually had to go to work. So we were just having some trouble with the mics and the Internet and stuff like that, so thanks for bearing with us now for the second week in a row. The only other things we were going to talk about uh, to finish up this show was just some, some other things that happened this weekend. I know all you guys saw the... Auburn, Florida game, and uh, I'm sure most of you were probably pretty excited about that. I was really excited about the Auburn, Florida game because, you know, I hate Auburn. I mean, I hate Auburn. I hate Florida, too. But I really, if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know there are certain things I hate, and I just... One of them is this, when you, when I think the media overcooks it on the greatness of a coach or a player or whatever. I think Nick Saban falls into this category. I think Urban Meyer falls in this category. And I certainly think Tim Tebow, the one play wonder, falls into this category. You know, I know Tim Tebow can throw and he can run and he can do a bunch of different things, but I don't think Tim Tebow is the ultimate warrior. I don't think he's any better than any other damn quarterback in the SEC. And I think to win the SEC, you're going to have to do a lot better than that sprint draw behind the left guard thing. I mean, really, Will Muschamp, defensive coordinator for Auburn, he put, you know, he's going to, uh, SEC defenses are going to put the stop to that. I mean, you just cannot run that little play over and over and over and over and over again and expect to be successful with it. So I was really glad to see Auburn beat Florida, and I was even more glad after Urban Meyer pulled the Mike Shanahan out of his butt with the timeout at the last second. Let me just go on the record saying that that is a practice that needs to be regulated immediately because if they don't stop that, if they don't nip that in the bud, it's not going to be about another week or two before every single game-winning field goal is going to have to be kicked twice. Because Urban, that was kind of, that was invented. That whole strategy was invented, in my opinion, by uh, Mike Shanahan about two or three weeks ago in the NFL. And here's Urban Meyer deploying it in the college ranks already. You know, people saw that. They know it works. Making a kicker kick twice in a row is, I think, a pretty effective icing technique. It worked both, it didn't work for Urban Meyer this weekend, but it did work both times it was tried in the pros. And, uh, certainly, you know, a kicker could miss the first kick and get get another shot at it, but I think more often than not, that's going to have a, a real icing effect. I think it's unfair. I think it's dirty pool, and I think they need to regulate that. If the man in the white hat on the field doesn't get the timeout in before the ball is snapped, then you are just too late with that timeout. I think that's a crappy practice, and I'm glad it didn't work for Urban Meyer. In other news, Kentucky ranked number eight in both polls. How about that, dog fans? I mean, you know, can you stink and believe Kentucky is ranked number eight? I know you can believe you've seen them play, but I mean, you know, and they're playing great this year, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to a big game with them, but uh, still, just the Kentucky ranked number eight, and LSU moves up to number one, number one in the AP by a vote over Southern Cal. So, um, you know, some crazy stuff. You had seven out of the top 13 teams lose this weekend, and uh, uh, it was pretty crazy. Pretty crazy weekend for college football, but it was a great game for the Bulldogs. You know, great game for Massaqua, great game for uh, Thomas Brown and Noshawn Moreno. We really had some good performances this past weekend. Um 
You know, Sutherland had a catch, got some yards. Uh, Moreno, Masqua had three catches. Moreno had three catches. So, uh, you know, we had a good weekend. Defense was challenged, which, you know, I don't think is always a negative thing. I mean, if your defense gets challenged and learns a little bit without taking a loss, you know, that's not so bad. Prince Miller, Asher Allen, those kids learned a lot this past weekend, I hope. So, all in all, not too damaging a game. Uh, our kids learned a lot. We didn't have a lot of injuries. Did have one little scary moment there when Noshan was down for about 30 seconds, but then he jumped up and ran off the field like he was on fire again. Um, kids, fantastic. Noshan Moreno is absolutely fantastic. So, dog fans, thanks for listening to the Dogcast. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. I hate doing the show solo. You know, I can't, can't do much without my wingman. So, uh, Thanks for listening, dog fans. Remember, you can give us a call at 706-534-1516, or you can email us at dogcast at gmail.com. We appreciate all your feedback. We appreciate you guys listening. I'm sorry that we've been technically challenged over the past couple weeks, but uh, we've had uh, podcast distribution problems and internet problems. We've had had some technical difficulties, but um, we're still here. we got a big game coming up this coming week, uh, Tennessee. In Knoxville, 3.30, CBS, big game dog fans. So stay with us. We'll be back with the pregame show on Thursday night. Thanks for listening. Go dogs!